0: You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
1: every day.
2: Good morning, good afternoon. Good
0: evening and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. Sorry about the audio quality of the post. I have my audio equipment actually packed up in my storage unit, but I am currently recording this live, but not so live, in my little brother's Orlando apartment. Shout out to Yves and Cece for letting me stay here for the night. And I mean, you guys aren't here to to keep up with me and my travels. You guys are here for FSU content. And for the next two days, we are pleased to announce that we will be having our two-part interview with Mr. James Coleman for the State of the FSU Union Series. For those of you who are not aware of Mr. James Coleman, he played fullback for State from 2002 to 2005, and he's blunt. And I really love this raw energy he's giving out. It's very unique to have. He gives us the the unique uh, perspective from a former player that actually we have been wanting to have actually on the program. And with the beauty with the series, we're able to sit down with esteemed podcasters like Austin Veazey, like Ingram Smith, like Mr. Trey Roland himself, and now we have Mr. James Coleman to come on. And with that being said, without further ado, please keep your hands together for Mr. James Coleman. Well, let's just dive right in here, everyone. This is, you know, Drake right here. I'm writing solo today with our main guest, the main man, the fullback himself, Mr. Big Game James Coleman. James, hey, what's up to the people?
2: Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, really good network. I got a friend who does Locked On Jaguars. So, I mean, I'm very familiar with your network. Oh, do you really? Who, who's the uh, who's the host of that? Um, Anthony Wiggins. Actually, he's, me. he's my family barber. So oh, really? Yeah, good dude. Solid oh. dude. He's an FSU fan, too.
0: Oh, hell. That means I have, to, I have to reach out to him then before the season starts. Damn. But uh, for those of the people that don't know who you are, I guess for the initiative, do you want to tell them a little about yourself, uh, your career at FSU and what you do now?
2: Yeah, I'm a guy who uh, – I'm a guy who's been – I'm, I'm a three-fold person. Like, I'm a, I played it I – was, I was a fan before I played I played it, and now, for whatever reason, people value my opinion, right, wrong, and indifferent when it comes to all things um, FSU. Um, I played from 2002 to 2005. Um, they called me. I was a fullback. I hit people, but I was a short yardage back. So, like, when it was third and one, third and two, like, at a certain point, everybody in the nation knew we were getting the ball. And Coach Bowden had this ingenious play, 34 belly, like 34 wham, and it was just short, violent, and sweet, and <laughs> you know I got a chance to do that and made people cheer, and, and now I get opportunity, and I and I scored touchdowns, and I did enough that for whatever reason people remember the fullback um, from that long ago, and it gave gave, and I have a platform where people listen to me talk about sports, uh, kind of in a straight talk, no chaser way. So um, I know a lot of some FSU fans. Don't necessarily always care for how straight to the point it. I really don't understand about it, but trust and believe. I talk about the Jaguars it's worse. so um, that's kind of how we, that's kind of how we go. So. Or I talk about rival fan bases really bad without kid clubs. Oh no, so trust that's,
0: me. That's I, me I, uh, you're you're probably one of the better Twitter follows on there. Trust me. I always laugh whenever you uh, you come on Miami or UF fans. But no, it is like you're one of the few people like on the beat that I think has been a little more critical of Norvell, of the coaching staff as a whole, which quite frankly is something that you know we kind of, I think we kind of need more a little bit too, because on our show we try to be even killed with it. But like right. I, so we're so I guess that brings me to my I guess first question was heading into the first year, what were your expectations, I think, for coach Mike Norvell? What like from stuff that you were hearing inside the Moore Center or just for your opinion as a whole?
2: Well, <clears throat> so one, I want to say this, and I, like, unlike a lot of people on the beat, right? I, I think I'm not on the beat per se, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I cover Florida State because I played there. I have a lot of relationships inside the Moor, um, a lot of information, and it's a school I care about. It's a passion. Um, unlike most people on the beat, I went there. I have a degree from there. I got <laughs> bled, sweat, played on a, like, you could play me on a video game. I get a chance to actually talk to Mike Norvell as a play, as a former player. I've interviewed Mike Norvell. I like Mike Norvell, but as I say a lot, the standard is the standard. You don't fire a coach with you don't one. You don't fire a coach in a year and a half. So I believe that, and this isn't a tagger defense. If you want to argue with me that Taggart did not do a good enough job, I'm with you. High five. You're right. <laughs> what I'm not, what I'm against is setting a precedent and hiring and firing somebody in a, in a year and a half and then expecting, like, it because that sets a tone. Mm-hmm. You And then coming into a press conference and saying six and six is not acceptable, which is what our athletic director said. So the tone that was set, you, you fire a guy in, in the beginning of November to do a nationwide search to bring in a group of five coach who you allow to coach his conference championship game when you're a prestigious university, the premier, the cream of the the cream of the cream, the top the top of the top programs, a destination job. If you're gonna let a guy coach his his um, his, um championship game and get a and continue to go back get backwards in recruiting, you better come in on fire, especially when you said six and six isn't good enough. Or you allow you allow the candle to burn out and you fire them after three seasons like a like a real big boy program. Now, you don't fire a coach to hire like that to hire a group of five coaches. Don't care what you say. If you believe that, then you believe we have a JV program. We missed, which is not a problem. People miss. I haven't heard a program ever say during the coaching search, ah, we missed on our first four choices, but this is the guy we want now. No, it's always we got the guy that we want. Florida was notorious. Even Dan Mullen knows he wasn't the first choice at Florida. But when Florida when, when they did their press conference, oh, we always wanted Dan Mullen. He was always the guy we searched, whatever.
0: He was the guy but, from the start.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, yeah. We know he was. Again, you don't fire a guy in the middle of the damn season to hire a guy like that, which is not a, but whatever. Mike Norvell comes in with a with a pedigree of taking a, a school like Memphis, marginal recruiting classes, and developing some talent around what he has. Good mind, good offensive mind. The defense was a lot to, left a lot even at Memphis to be desired, but his group of five ball it's outscore the opponent and, and pray for the best. So at least we look forward to exciting offenses, competent offense. The, the the knocks of what we had before Mike Norvell. Can we get 11 people on the football field? Oh, my God. <laughs> Penalties. They're so undisciplined. There's so much this. There's so that. There's so this. So the expectations in year one with the schedule that was – um pretty favorable considering with COVID that if you go out and you can get eleven people on the field consistently. You cannot have a tight end line up backwards, even though that play got nine yards.
0: I did get nine yards.
2: <laughs> line up backwards, you can have you have a, a thousand yard receiver. You have a you have three of the top ten returning interior defensive linemen in the nation coming. You got two defensive ends that are that haven't lived up to their expectations, but they, but maybe they haven't been coached like they wanted to. do. We haven't been coach coached. We have as the stuff says. So again, I'm just I'm just really just laying this out yeah. for you. Then it comes in where I don't get critical, but I have a memory of an elephant. I start read I, and I don't write every day, and I and we are a subscription based company with Fifth Quarter. We write articles, but we don't, I don't tell things when there's nothing to tell. If you're looking for me to regurgitate the same way, same information to tell you the same thing 20 different ways, I got a lot of other stuff to do. That's just not me. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm a man of one at Fifth Quarter when it comes to mm-hmm. insiders. We have a ton of great writers that write good articles. But as far as insiders, it's just me. And I got two kids, or three, two young kids and a bunch of other stuff. But I like to read articles. When I'm, I'm, when I, what I read, when Jimbo left, we didn't love football. It wasn't a family atmosphere. The culture's changed. We're being coached. We're being loved. I'm like, okay, fair. The culture was bad. It was this, and you're seeing all these things. I'm like, damn. Did we just regurgitate the same articles that we wrote that we wrote when Tag first came in that we got here? And I'm like, okay. So I go out and I see it, and I see some energy. I like Mike's energy is he is a really good energy guy. But the articles set the tone for what you thought you were gonna see. And if in I believe in if I'm going to judge somebody based upon what the standards are at FSU that were laid out by our athletic director, the minimum ones that six and six is not acceptable here, on top of the fact that we have about a three point five to four between three point five to four point five million dollar a year buyout, depending on what you ask. Mm-hmm. On top of the fact that we're paying another coach, we're paying the current coach about $4 million a year. I have to look at it. Is Mike Norville an $8 million coach?
0: Okay, that's the first time I actually have heard that sort of breakdown. Cause I mean, that is fair. Cause we're like, we're on the hook right now for, I think, for Tagger, like you said, like for $20 million for the rest of his contract.
2: Right. So yeah, it so is kind of
0: fair that Norville looked at it as like that sort of like, cause $8 million, that's man. like, that's dabbing. That's saving money. That's-
2: no matter which way you flip it, you fired a coach well with it, well early in his contract to try to turn it around. Is this guy like, is this guy working? Mm-hmm. Which is again, it's not a personal thing. This is the standard, this is the business side of it, right? So plus everybody's telling us, and, and not just telling us, these are tangible things that you can see coming into it. Mike made Memphis. Mike made it. Mm-hmm. Like that's tangible. So when you come in and you see the talent that we have returning a thousand yard receiver, you would think that, okay, I saw what, what um what Kendall Browse could do. I know Mike can do this with these guys buying in, and nobody quote unquote messing with the offense. So nobody messing with the offense, just what he can do. You see like so what did we see last year? Did you see the penalties go down? No. But truth be told, if you really looked at Memphis and really just top programs in general, good teams are heavily penalized. Bobby's teams were heavily penalized. Bama is not the picture of not getting penalties. You just don't want ones that kill you. But you saw offsides. You saw false starts. You saw holding penalties. You saw illegal procedures. You saw everything that you saw the year before. Just a different coaching staff. You saw the offensive production with these people returning, plummeted. You saw the offensive running game get better, but you saw that because you had a running you, you You see um, the defense, which we thought couldn't get worse, got worse. The benefit with COVID. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt with a lot of those things because it's hard to prepare for a pandemic. Now, you could be the most prepared person in the world. But nobody has in their preparation book, what do I do as a first year head coach in a nationwide pandemic? Yeah, no, no that- one
0: writes up no one. If you can predict that, then we probably wouldn't have fired Tiger within, you know, within, within the second year. But the thing is, though, with COVID, right. like every other program also had to deal with this. What we saw with LSU, they didn't do do particularly well. Lane Kiffin was over at Ole Miss like doing phenomenally well by their own standards. So I do understand COVID being sort of like a cop not, – not a cop-out, but like an excuse, but it can only go you so far, especially because no, we come no, in with different – uh, right.
2: It's a cop-out. It's a cop-out because the fan base – and, again, I'm not judging the fan base for not liking the coach. Taggart earned the right to not be liked. But you know deep down inside that that's not the way that you handle business. And now you have – you feel the need to overly fluff and protect the new guy because if you don't it shows that it might not be the wrong hire the right hire mm-hmm. you don't want to do that too quick but knowing mike if you listen to my 36 degree interview or my sports interview mike does not add up for your excuses i don't understand why the beat why anybody makes excuses for mike norvell because anytime you've ever interviewed mike norvell mike norvell i got the standard is a standard from mike norville that's yeah, yeah that's
0: that's straight up from him. i mean like was was he say the standard over everything that's basically something that you know i've been seeing you Stand posting that like he's been saying the same thing but no i mean he's right about that though because like you know we're, like you i mean you've played there you as a former player you know that like that's your garden and goal that's what you bleed for the rest of your life right there you went to school there you played football there you went to war with uh with teammates over years for that so yeah i mean typically you know the standard you know honestly more than a lot of people do
2: and it's not even – again, the standard doesn't change. Your expectations can change, but the, the standard championship. Like, that ACC championship always going to be that first weekend in December. And if we're not there, we're not meeting the standard. But, but like, Mike, had, those are the things that happen. Those are the tangible things. I don't subscribe to an a ass-whooping looks better than a win. And I'm sorry, Kurt. I don't know what y'all can do or not. Uh, no, I just blew it out, man. You're regulation. good. <laughs> All right, I, just I don't, I don't subscribe. So like, you know, I, I'm watching people tell me that the Miami loss is better because I I know like it, it's it's worse like statistic everything tangible was bad. Somebody posted on like a, a a statistic about the um I think thirty point losses or yeah thirty point losses from FSU up until like. Before, like up until Jimbo lost, and it was like five, it was like 10 or something. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was a crazy, stupid number. And like over the course of like 20, 30 years. And then they posted like just in this short term, and everybody immediately pointed and like, oh, look at Tagger. He sucked. But what they didn't go and go back and look, four of those losses came last season to Louisville, n- not Lamar Jackson, Louisville. Louisville.
0: Malik Cunningham, Louisville.
2: Yeah, <laughs> NC State. I think was three points away from doing it, and I think the most thorough behind whooping I've ever seen was when Bailey Hockman was the quarterback at NC State, like the year before, and that thing was like that was child abuse. But like I said so. We 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 took some, some some shots on the chin. A lot of a lot of stuff can go in there. Bottom line is from tangible things, not emotional. You gotta take the emotions out of it. Tangible. There was nothing better about the FSU program in 2020 that you can actually go and say, okay, this, 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 this higher and fire made sense. Now, you can still hold off hope because I believe Mike is a good coach. Mike is a, an effective communicator when he gets you in a room one on one, which typically makes you a better recruiter which is why the 2022 class is looking like what it is. And, like, you're seeing a lot of these transfers come in. So it could get better. But here's the scary part is that you got Notre Dame week one. You still have a North Carolina team on the schedule. Miami and Florida ain't going nowhere. Clemson's still there. Mm -hmm. That's five – basically, those are five games that you – that you, that you don't really feel you have as good a chance. So that means the other games, the other seven games on your regular season schedule, you have to play to what your talent level says you have. But you got blown out by Louisville that's on that roster, I mean, on that schedule. You got NC State that you took it on the chin from that's still there. You've got a very good Boston College team that's coming back, that's well coached. Mm-hmm. So like now, those are things that, Again, it's, it's from a standard perspective. I should never be saying that. Now, again, going back to what's written, and I don't want to make this – again, I'm just a guy who reads things. I read it like a fan, but I also read it like a guy who covers sports. We use terms like flip the roster. When I was playing, flip the roster means your roster got better. So if we're writing things like we flipped the roster – then we should have confidence. But when you listen, if we get away from all of the things, right? Name me somebody who said FSU is an eight-win or nine-win team.
0: So then, well, I think I've said it several times, but I'm also super optimistic. But <laughs>
2: so, I mean, like me, I'm one of them. I'm oh, one, of yeah. them. Okay. one of them. You're one of them. But like some of the most optimistic people, hey man, put let's put a friendly, friendly hundred-dollar bet. The FSU, like you say, is gonna win nine games. Let's go out there and find somebody to take that. I uh, you
0: know I uh, uh, I don't know my mom, all, no, I, I, the way my baby comes to it set
2: up all that optimism goes out the window when you tell them put some money on it which tells me we got to stop these, these aren't babies this ain't I nine football this is big boy football and I was, and, and I and I know we'll get into something else I'm gonna tell people so your people can understand this is why James Coleman speaks the way James Coleman speaks I say that I played from 2002. The 2005. Do you know what they call the 2000s? Yeah,
0: yeah. One of my yeah. The was it the lost decade is what's called.
2: I won three ACC championships. I was two field goals away from playing in two national championships, and Virginia Tech robbed me of my junior year for winning four ACC championships. And we get spoken with like when I like with the vitriol that people would talk about us. But you literally are spoon-feeding people who have the – this is one of the worst records in school history. Like, if I don't know what it's like to not play in a January at a BCS ball. Like, but my decade, my era is called the lost decade, and people still talk about it as such. That's the standard of a fan. No, you Mm -hmm. lower your standard as fans because God knows why. But no, just because they they weren't good last year doesn't mean we expect we expect less. Like you should be. done.
0: sorry about that, folks. I so will get you right back to the great interview we have, with Mr. James Coleman. But I want to take my time talk to you to talk to all my cooks out there. Uh, for those of you know, I have been working a lot, you know, on my fitness, on my health, and a lot of that has me cooking all the time. And the one issue I've had with that is I have not been able to find the proper knife, you know, for me for my everyday cooking. Until now, with Made in Knives, if quality and craftsmanship is important to you, you should check it out Made in. Made in is a cookware and kitchenware brand that works with the renowned chefs and artisans to brew some of the world's best pots, pans, knives, and wine glasses. I know Max likes to enjoy a little little wink of vino now and then. Dave, as well as you know, bake a little bit. So he's got, I know he's got a pan coming in the mail. I've got my second set of knives coming in as we speak. So right now, Made in is offering our listeners 50 percent off your first order with promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And this is the best discount available anywhere online for made-in products. That's madeincookware.com slash locked on and use the promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and tell them we sent you. And after y'all go over to Made-In Kitchen and Cookware to get your pots, pans, or try to get some knives if you're like me trying to do your best salt bay impersonation, head on to rockauto.com. I've been saying Rock Auto for a long, long time. As I said before, my t Cisco has been owning a mechanic shop down in the Delray Beach area for 30 years, and he swears by Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto park customers for over 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control models and brake parts to tail lamps. I know my brother has issues with his AC unit all the time, and he had the issue until he went to rockauto.com. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Use promo code LOCKEDON in their how to hear about section so they know that we sent you. Promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That website is rockauto.com. No, you, you, you got to keep you got to keep the same energy. If they're going to you know say that for specifically you know winning AC championship, I and mean, you're still saying it's not up to your standard, like I mean that's unfortunate. And then you look at the past three to four years, they've we've come nowhere near what you accomplished with uh, with your teammates back in that time period. But then let me flip back to that because I think you put up a really good point about the transfers about flipping the roster, and because my co-host Max, I think he has a similar take to yours about Mackenzie Milton. And the one big thing is that he was not super high on Mackenzie Milne, and it wasn't because of the injury. It was from the statement that he said that it's Dylan Gabriel's team now. And he does not, he does not want someone helming or running his offense if they, not, if they don't have that competitive spirit to that. Do you kind of share a similar concern with KZ, or what is it?
2: I said that on another podcast. <sighs> Let me just <laughs> – uh. Take your time. So I'm Jordan Travis. One because of things that I know, mm-hmm. and two, like I like again, everybody was talking about how great KZ looked. And I like my profession is uh, before I, I, I before I got into media full time, sports performance. I got a chance to do something called reconditioning. There's a couple orthopedics here that send me a lot of guys coming off of ACL injuries. I get to train them. I can tell you, like, oh, you got all that from a one-second clip? Yes. Having having trained 200 people coming off an ACL injury, I can tell when you don't have a burst. And that clip, he looked struggling. Don't know where it was at. A lot of things. I know they hadn't seen him throw up to that point. Like, you don't bring – we're bringing in a guy that we don't even know if he gets, how he throws the football. Because mm-hmm. they in common sense would tell you it's illegal if they've seen him throw the football. Yeah. But Jordan and Travis, they were really high on Jordan Travis. This is what I've heard from the mouth of the OC. We like Jordan Travis, but we need to bring in a competition. What happened was they missed on the two quarterbacks that they brought in in high school and from high school. I also heard if we could have done it all over again, we might have tried to figure out a better way to, to get Jeff Sims on board. Mm-hmm. It's just the thing, like, and now that you see with Chubba, you see the stuff going on with uh,
0: Rodamaker.
2: Uh, Rod- it's just, they'll be great men, hopefully great husbands, good fathers. They're just not they're just not good here. Now, going back to McKenzie Miller every week we heard, man, McKenzie is, you know, Jordan Travis is looking good. Where was the energy that you guys were writing about every freaking week about McKenzie Miller taking Jordan Travis's job? Now, the fifth quarter and other stuff, we're telling you, they don't know what they have. They know what they have in Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis ain't a duck, as much as y'all want to say. Because Jordan Travis came into Florida State to take a job.
1: Mm-hmm. He did not
2: leave Louisville saying, oh, I got beat out. No, he was requested to come to Florida State. He felt it was an opportunity to come here. I got, I got brought in to Florida State. There was a guy named BJ Dean, Shirt freshman. I was a true freshman we we competed four years. I went in, I started three of them. I took it over my true sophomore year. I knew staring down my back was another guy. I would, that BJ was a good friend. I don't have friends on the football field off the football field. It's all smiles and Hallmark cars. Let's mm-hmm. go to Buffalo wild wings and get some wings and some beer on the football field. I got to feed my, at the time, I got to feed my daughter. If I don't play, I can't feed my daughter. UCF was a better program at that time. If McKenzie Milton, is anything close to the quote-unquote national championship McKenzie Milton, <laughs> why the hell did he leave UCF? Because Dylan Gabriel is his friend? Oh, no, 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 no. This ain't Barney, bro. <laughs> Keep your friends away from me. Like, it's I just, the, the mindset doesn't make sense. Like, You walked away from a starting job because he was your friend. And that's what fans accept as the potential. And again, maybe for people who've never been elite in life, like, that's okay. But like, I compete. I don't, I don't, I don't, like, I teach my son to compete. Like, I put it like how crazy, like, this is how crazy the mind of a Division I starter should be, a pro athlete should be. When I tell my, my son, play this thing called I Not Football. It's not supposed to be competitive, but his mom made me do it. And I told her, if I coach, I don't know any other way. That's it's fair. got to, that's it's fair. only one way. My son said, oh, that's my friend Logan from school. I, I pulled him to the side, I was like, hey, is this going to be a problem? He's like, no, dad, I understand. I'll talk to Logan after the game. He's the enemy right now. My son put up four <laughs> touchdowns on a bit. That's the way you have to think, man. Like, if you don't think that way, then the standard will never get back to the same. You. I mean, that's that's why Travis Hunter is Hunter is dope. That's the mindset that Travis Hunter is the mindset. Like, you might not have the skill set, but Travis Hunter is the mindset that everybody has to take.
0: No, I, agree I don't with want. That. I agree. I don't want friendly guys.
2: I mean, no, I mean that's
0: what you want though. you want the competitive guy to get the competitive fire it's actually funny you say that because i remember like when we first heard he's coming in my co-host max he literally because he's been a, my friend my co-host he's been jordan travis since like you know day one he's loves the kid ever since he's you know someone's like he calls him probably the most electrifying player with his legs and arm since lamar jackson was in the acc and he calls him very i think they're very very similar with that to me lamar, lj era i think is a little bit better lj8 but I think Jordan Travis can, has that sort of ceiling. To me, it's more that I think he needs to improve on his accuracy a little bit on some intermediate mm-hmm. and deeper throws. But, you know, and that to me is what, the, the benefit of bringing in someone like KZ. But, no, my co-host, Max, is going to love your take on that because he does not like that sort of, you know, you don't have you know, I've never met someone as a friend who I want to let them take my job from me. Like, they must be really damn good friends because that's something you're, you're messing with my food at that point.
2: Right. I just, it's like, it's, it's, it's effectively saying this. It may, everybody can't relate to playing on that level, but this is something that everybody can relate to. You got a hot girlfriend, Mm. baddest girl you've ever had in your life. And your friend doesn't, would you let your, well, you know what? You should have a girlfriend too. How about you take my girlfriend? I'll go try to find another. No, that makes no (laughs) sense. It makes no sense. So, but I will say this, watching him in the spring game, he is a, he is a gamer. He's better than he was in practice, from what I've seen, what I saw in some film and then what I had heard. In the game, he did something. But the problem is, is some of the clips, I think we have as a fan base, we're broken. Like we we hold on to any positive thing too strong. Like we're like we're, like we're a battered, like we're a battered person. KZ dropped back, climbed the pocket, and I think he threw to Joshua Burrow. Mm-hmm. Beautiful pocket. All praises to Alex Atkins, Coach Ackins. Great throw, which Burrow could have broke it, should have been a touch. That's one of those big plays that should be big. But the thing I told fans, they're like, ah, see, that's why we brought them in. I said, y'all are so quick to jump on something new that you'll disrespect something old. Jordan Travis has three touchdowns on that, where he dropped back, climbed the pocket, threw it across the middle, deep on the post. The difference is the person scored. I'm saying that to say Jordan Travis wasn't given opportunities like that because I because Jordan Travis was never expected to be the starter. Now that says a little bit more than anything else that we went through. James Blackman,
0: Tate Rodemaker, uh,
2: and, and then Tate Rodemaker, and Chubba, Pur, Chubba Purdy, right? Then mm-hmm. him, like that doesn't make any sense. And like Tate Rodemaker, again, I think he'll be a great person, maybe a good football coach one day. But if you can't, if you're shook against an FCS school, this isn't like shoots and ladders might be the thing for you. This isn't the game for you to play. Like you should, this, you should be amped.
1: That's like high school
2: ball. Compared, like no disrespect to them, but that compared to the level of talent you should have with you, you should feel like an elite high school team. Like you should be playing, feel like you're playing. A high school program, like one of the lower levels.
0: So then you, th- so then you're probably in the camp where like you think that Mike Norvell kind of felt forced to to start Jordan Travis, kind of like against like his own thinking. Like, why do you think it took so long to actually start Jordan Travis?
2: I think they wanted to see. I think actually this is the thing that like that does give me one of because there's a lot of people. A lot of people don't want to admit there are a lot of similarities between Mike Norvell and Willie Jackson. I think Mike does have Mike has a shrewdness about him. But Mike also has a thing where I don't want to give up on this kid before everybody's giving up on. Him. So I, and James Blackman is a very likable kid. He had the locker room. He's and I don't want this to be taken the wrong way because Drew, again Drew Weatherford has an ACC championship. When Drew when my senior year was when Drew Weatherford and Xavier Lee battled it out. Drew knows every and I'll, I'll say another another name too. Drew knows everything and does everything in practice. Xavier didn't do it, but, you know, Drew is just a guy out there. He wasn't an elite-level quarterback that could win you a championship. Chris Ricks knew all the plays. In practice, Chris Ricks did everything the right way. Adrian McPherson didn't do it quite the same way, but AD was the guy that everybody wanted. And then eventually Bobby was forced to play Adrian McPherson and the excitement level went up. I actually believe if Adrian McPherson was a starting quarterback, we would have probably won two two national championships. Okay.
1: Wow. Like that um that
2: O three team would have been better on offense and that 0-4 team would have we would have um we would have probably um not been upset by Maryland and then gone on to kick Florida in the teeth that next week. But those are just some of the things that, you know, people don't really look at. He wanted to give James Blackman a chance. Doesn't work. Start your guys because, you know, Chubb is hurt. But this is your guy. You get to prove that all right, Jeff Sims coming in to Tallahassee winning. It was just a flu. It was a flu. Kind of didn't work. It didn't work. Like it didn't work. It worked out for him. But now we got to take Rotemiker, And then that failed miserably. Now you bring in Jordan Travis. And what Jordan's able to do with his legs is exponentially better than what everybody else is doing.
0: I mean, yeah, he's just a different ball player. When he like, I mean, we like the best way to put it, is, like he's how you described him or just he's a gamer. Like you could put the ball in the kid's hands. He just makes a play, makes it happen. Now, I wish he, you know, kind of slide a little bit more because his frame does yeah. not cannot take some of those hits. But you, but hopefully, you know, to me personally, I think that Casey's probably going to be the starter for week one. But then I think Doran Travis will probably sit for that year if he wants to, if he can. Cause I think to me that his coming out, his money year is going to be next year. Cause I wouldn't be surprised if he starts right. all year next year and like he'd be if he kind of learns a little bit more, like works on that passing and throwing, he can be definitely a dangerous weapon in the ACC. This interview, I'm not going to lie to you folks, it's getting me a little bit hungry. Instead of, you know, reaching for a Snickers bar or maybe heading on over to get something at 7-Eleven, I'm going to go and grab myself a built bar. That's right, folks. Built Bar is the nonstop protein bar that you want, actually for all your snack cravings. Me, as a big guy, I'm a cherry barcia guy. I know that Max himself is a peanut butter brownie kind of flavor. So if I were you guys, I get head on over to builtbar.com and use their promo code locked fifteen, and you'll get fifteen percent off your first order. Use that promo code once again is locked fifteen, L-O-C-K-E-D one five for fifteen percent off at builtbar.com. Hey,
1: it's beach season, folks. Let's get to it.
0: And then I guess we can shift over from offense and go over to something that you know I've been much maligning for the past you know six months is the defense, and we saw a huge step back for the defense. I think S P Plus we were like 61 in the country, and this past year we went all the way down to 90. So where do you fall in line? I guess basically was saying was it on the coaching staff primarily? You know Adam Fuller for the uh, in, the, the inaccuracies on defense, or do you think it was also is a third? It was another new scheme in like the past four years. These are young kids playing. Like where do you fall in line with that? Because sometimes they seem to be in the right spot but they didn't execute the play properly.
2: I think all of that's true. Multiple things can be true at the same time. But this is what I always challenge the fans, and they hated it. Why is the offense not looking good? Well, we didn't have a spring, COVID, all of these other things. I was like, okay, fair. Why doesn't the defense look good? Oh, they suck. did the defense did the defense practice the spring that we didn't know about? Did COVID not affect the defense? <laughs> I, if you're gonna use the excuse for one, you have to use the excuse for the other. Now, I think there was um, there was a talent. There was a, like not being, not getting what you needed to get out of the interior D line really hurt you. We've had two things that FSU has struggled with for quite some time: linebackers and offensive line. Yeah, and I don't know yeah. what it is. If it's we're just not we're not putting these guys in the best position but like just think about the scheme no matter what the the scheme if your scheme is predicated on having the players to run it then you might not be you're not a developer and that's fine but you're not a developer your scheme has to be your it has to fit the players first before you can get the players to fit your scheme we don't have any. We didn't have any downhill presence of a thumper. Emmett Rice tried to come in and give us something, but it, it wasn't enough. We weren't filling, and there were times where, like, and I have this thing on Instagram. It's called Hit em with the Hymns, and it's basically when well, it's some real aggressive football play or oh, some other stuff. And unfortunately, I had to put Norris Robinson on it, like because he got baptized by the left tackle from um. Louis, was it Louisville, I believe, or was it? Yeah, something like it,
0: it was. I think it was Louisville. I remember what player talking about exactly. <laughs> he
2: just got, but like, it at. was bad. And elite, elite, elite players lose, but elite players don't lose where it's like like that.
0: Yeah, and bullied.
2: you know our secondary is, that you know the team did was never never healed up properly from having his surgeries, ankle surgery in the spring. Um, Travis J while talented was put in bad spots like you know just from an so my my mind and This is, and I'm not like I get in arguments with guys like Jason Staples great guy Um, played when I was there
1: was welcome when I was
2: there I've seen um, Trey Rowland he does a really good job with the breakdowns I don't agree with some of the breakdowns but some of the breakdowns are like they do a really good job I see a lot of people not outside, of, I mean, I just use those two. It's not just them. I see a lot of people try to explain things that they don't know anything about. So my mind is always looking at how to beat a defense,
1: mm-hmm. even our
2: defense. Like even when I'm watching the FSU game, I'm watching our offense, how we attack a defense, and then when I'm watching our defense, I'm really watching the other offense and how I would how I would attack our defense. Okay. We talk about the Notre Dame game is one of the games that people said that they were in position, which lets me know that people don't understand the G concept. So the G concept is basically you have somebody kick out the end and you have another guard, you have a guard pulling up onto the linebacker and the running back basically hits right around that B gap. Sometimes it's an A gap, a B gap, C gap. It depends. What a lot of people like to say we were in the right position is because Janoris Robinson kind of stayed there the first time. And then our, and the, the, the Notre Dame running back fumbled the ball. They ran that play like five times after that. And if he didn't fumble the ball, he would have probably broke a long run. And I, and I showed that in the FSU group. And they got mad at me. Like, I coached it. I'm like, I'm not coaching it. This is just, this is what the play is designed to do. And I'm just telling you that what you're being told isn't necessarily right. They're always coached to be in the right position. Football in the simplest form is this. I can run a goal line defense against a spread offense. And if all 11 of my guys on defense win their battle, guess what happens? The ball doesn't move. Every defensive play is designed to stop an offense. Every offensive play is designed to score, even quarterback league. So, of course, if I coach it up right, it's going to work. But did it? Something happens where those guys did not trust the scheme, did not trust their strength and athleticism, and that defense just doesn't have a confidence. And I think a lot of it has to do with three years, different schemes, three years of hearing how bad you are, and three years of probably of, of coaching that just isn't, There's so, so much different than what you, than, than each other that you don't even know what to trust and what to believe anymore. Which I will say is one of the best things that Mike did do, that Tagger wasn't able to do because of the um APR. The academic restriction. Yeah, APR. Is since they suspended the APR, a lot of guys got they got maybe too many guys, but they got rid of enough guys. To where now guys either you need to straighten up the fly right or you get the hell out of here. So like now you 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 hope that they have no choice but to but to trust you. But I'll tell you this defense overhaul offense doesn't do well if they have another three and six season
0: heads are going to roll if that's the case but I think that we're kind of in the same but we don't think that we're going to only win three games in next year and like there are just some games in the schedule that you can see that yeah are gonna be hard like the Boston College game in particular like I'm a big Jeff Halfley guy I think he was the best coaching hire last year anyways like across the country as a whole but no there are games like I think NC State is definitely a winnable game I mean Pittsburgh. When we play Pittsburgh, sorry, we play Louisville. I think we should beat Louisville. I think Scott Sackfield's like great at his job. And we also do. I mean, you mentioned we have that roster influx too. Like we brought in like nine, potentially ten, with the Kane Madden stuff that's going on going on. And one of them was Jermaine Johnson. Right. So I kind of wanted to ask you, like, out of all those transfers, like, which is one the which is the one that got you the most excited? And also from not from friends, but also from the high school recruits, which one do you like the most as well?
2: Well, if, if Kane Madden comes, that might be the the most exciting. Okay. But Jermaine, John- Jermaine Johnson is, is probably number one because he, at worst, no disrespect to him, at worst he gives you what J. Rob was. At best, he gives you more than what J. Rob was. If he gets, look, I don't even think did J. Rob get a sack last year? He got three. Okay, he yeah, had three. So if he gives you five sacks, like what I think what he had in Georgia, then he's already better than what we had. I think he can if he, that's somebody who whose level of Play and energy can maybe help elevate that defense. You have to help me with this one. The safety from South Carolina,
0: Jamie Robinson.
2: I believe he's good and he has years left to play. Um, yeah. Oh, and oh, the, and my bad. The running back from Auburn. I to oh, DJ with, Williams. I, 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 yeah, I want to DJ with, with tag. Like right? he's from Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the. Um, oh, and how can I forget it? Guy I broke parchment. Parchment is – is um can, can run every route. Like he's a better – he's a better – he's, he's uh, better than the guy we just had, the wide receiver. Terry? He's with Seattle now. Yeah, Terry. Tamar and Terry. Better than Tamar and Terry. Um, because Tamar and Terry is a post-go guy. He ain't running no digs. He ain't running none of these other stuff. Parchment will do that. I think Parchment – and then you ask for the, the um, guys. From the there.
0: high school kids, yeah. So, re-
2: Burrell, young man, for the, the 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 Louisiana wide receiver.
0: Oh, Dustin Hill.
2: Destin Hill, defensively, we, we keep bringing in these DBs, so I'm hoping he does. Um, God,
0: dog. One for Texas. Hunter Washington.
2: Hunter Washington, thank you, appreciate it. you guys. Got, I got you, got I got you my guy. Listen, thank man, my Hunter coach, all, my coach Also,
0: I'm the recruiting guy. The three of us on yeah. the on the show. Trust me, I'm always like telling these kids what their names are and everything. I got you.
2: I yeah. only like, and this is what was the funny. Thing. If I, I'm I talk to adults, so the adults tell me, "Hey James, this is what's going on with this kid, blah blah blah." If you're in fifth quarter, half the time y'all asking me about this kid, I gotta Google. I know of the kid, but I don't know his first name like that. I got that's like you know I, I like hey they told me the kid McCall's doing this. Like that's just an example. So mm-hmm. I'm like all right. They're like. Is he any good? Let me go Google. Maybe I should know if he's good or not. (laughs) But I don't follow high school recruiting as heavy as most people do. But I do understand high school recruiting moves the needle too. But, you know, those are some guys that I believe are going to come in. Everybody else really are project guys. Um, You know, again, New Orleans, the defensive end from um, St. I I, I like what he can be. Um, I believe he's. I believe he can be like a, a Demarcus Walker, and I can talk about that because I, I've known Demarcus, since I I've trained Demarcus. High motor, we work hard, um, develop in the weight room once he gets there. But I, um, oh, and the, but I don't think that, and I don't think our left tackle that we got, that tackle that we signed, if he has to play this year, whew, we have a really bad spot. But I know he was a big gift for us. I think him redshirting a year. Playing for playing for us in 2022 um, would be big, but I think I think here here's where people, the fan base you know, you know give hope
1: mm-hmm.
2: because it really doesn't take a lot. And the problem is we said this for for two years with Taggart as well, but it still remains true because you can see and no matter what you want to believe, two years ago going into the 2019 season. The momentum we were, this this time recruiting was was high as well. We were, yeah. I believe we had a top ten class. We were looking really really good. We haven't, we've never had a problem bringing in top talent. We have had a problem winning to keep top keep the talent. talent. If Mike wins seven games, seven regular season games, hopefully eight with a bowl game, it could get spooky because you're going to keep – because you're going to get – you may not finish with a top 10 class. You'll finish with a top 15 at worst with cats, like some real game changers in that class, which pushes you into that 2022 year where if you do – if you can show like an eight-win eight win regular season, nine-win regular season, that 23 class is going to get, again, spooky. And now it's going to start steamrolling. And now you're going to look at Florida State and then you'll look at what he did at what Mike did at Memphis, and you'll see some parallels. The problem is, is that if ifs were a fifth, a vodka, we'd all be drunk. So we gotta go. <laughs> we, we, it, it's about it's about application, application of what the expectation is. And I think Coach Norvell in his, in his heart wants to do it. I think he can do it. But I'm gonna be candid. There has never been a coach in the history of Power Five that's taken a job that's wished to lose.
0: Yeah, no. Everybody I mean,
2: wants to win. Everybody wants to win. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing their best. I know for a fact those guys don't go out there and say, "Man, I want you to purposely line up 15 yards off a of two-two Atwell and let him completely burn your coverage and have a two-a go the whole way." No, it, I don't think they purposely tried to let 2 get drafted off of that game i just believe there was some kind of there's something lost in communication but these guys can do it i like them if you meet these are some of the most likable coaches you'll ever be around including coach fuller man coach fuller gave my son a slice of pizza at this last camp my son thinks coach fuller is the greatest man the greatest coach on earth uh mike norvell gave my son life less like talk to him for like 30 minutes it was like a rainstorm Chopped it up with him real good. Me and him got a chance to chop it up, too. I, it's it's no hate. There's no real... There's no hate. Um, criti- Being critical doesn't mean you don't like somebody. Being critical means... I, I'm critical because I don't like three and six. The only three and six... I say this. The only three and six I like... Time I like seeing three and six together is when I walk down my hallway, I look to my left and I look to my right and I see my 36 My 36 jersey. It's the only time I like them together. <laughs> Outside of that, I don't want to see it. But I'm, you know, I'll leave you like this so people can understand more of my personality if they follow me. My grandmother is one of the hardest people in the world on you, on somebody. She's going to tell you exactly how she feels. If, you, if, you, if you're messing up, she ain't the person that's going to sugarcoat it and tell you that you're doing well. But at the same time, she's the one person that I know in my life that she will spare no expense, no resource that she has in her in, in her ability to make sure that I'm living up to the standard. So while I'm going to always be upset when Florida State doesn't meet the standard, I'm going to always write in a manner that the standard is the standard. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna stay being a booster. I'm gonna stay telling other people to be a booster. My, my, my level of um, participation and pushing the program forward is not determined upon wins and losses is determined upon getting our program back to the standard or whatever it takes. So, I mean, but at the end of the day, if you can't present tangible, debatable facts, stats, and evidence, all we're doing is talking emotions. And I don't don't have time to talk emotions with with grown men. What's up guys. Drake here.
0: Thank y'all so much for listening to today's episode. Please tune in tomorrow for part two of our interview with the one and only Mr. Big Game James Coleman. With that being said, as always, thank you all so much for the love and support. And if you can, please don't forget to rate, review, follow, share, or subscribe either on our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. For Drake, Mr. Coleman, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.